We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. The High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with Billy Metcalf, a high stakes player who has won numerous league titles in the Football Guys Players Championship. Currently, he has two teams in the top 60 in the 8,400 team field. The winner of this year's competition will pocket a cool $250,000 grand prize. In the episode, he and I talk about drafting Christian McCaffrey over Saquon Barkley, why Austin Hooper could be a league winner, and what kind of player Tyler Lockett truly is. You can follow Metcalf on Twitter at Fantasy Enquirer. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. Now, without further ado, here is former multi-league champion in the Football Guys Players Championship, Billy Metcalf. Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown, proud to bring you this week a former HSFF Hour guest, a guy who has won um, multiple Football Guys Players Championships, had a couple of teams finish in the top 200 of the 7,800 team uh, Football Guys Players Championship last year. It's Billy Metcalf. Welcome in, man. Hey, thanks a lot for having me, Eric. Good to be back. How many uh, How many Football Guys leagues t- League titles are up to? Are we in the double digits now for you going forward in your career? Uh yeah, yeah, pretty close. Um, I started out pretty small, just doing one or two a year, and I just kind of crawled my way up to doing uh, 
12 last year, and I took down five titles, luckily, last year. And um, I'm in about the 20s for teams this year, so I'll be getting close. Well, good, 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 good. Well, and it always, it's, I always like to hear the stories of people who, you know, sort of um, expand their territory, as it were, and, and, and the wins are coming with it as well. Certainly drafting more teams. Um, is always more fun, and sometimes it's even more profitable as well. Speaking of profitable, you have two teams in the 2019 FPC this year in the top 60 after five weeks of play. Uh, I want to briefly ask you a few questions about both of these teams. In uh, the first one, I think this is the one that's in 59th, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, This is the league that you got Cooper Cup at the 502. And I just want to kind of pick your brain on this. Uh, You know, I think one of the questions that fantasy owners have have tried to answer in the drafting season is getting the Rams receiver right. And I think there's been one clear cut uh, correct answer here, and it's been Cooper Cup. You get him at the 502 here. Brandon Cooks was already selected at that point in the draft. Why, if, and I'm not saying that you were, you're like, okay, I'm going with a Rams receiver here no matter what, but. If you did go Rams receiver, you had the opportunity to go with Robert Woods. Cooper Cup was coming off the torn ACL, and you went with him, and that looks like it's a it's a great decision thus far. What was the uh, thought process there in going with Cup over Woods? Um, well, thanks. Uh, mentioning this team, it should probably be in the top ten right now, except I've been riding out the uh, Mike Evans experience Oof. the last few weeks. So <laughs> kind of slipped a little. But um, initially, I was fading Cooper Cup because of the injury. And um, I didn't really start taking him until the little trickles of news started coming in. You know, the first uh, late weeks of July, early August. And um, actually, it was kind of funny. Um, Crack Rocket Greg Cancer, um, one of my buddies who I talked to who's been on this show and another show, uh, your other show. Um, I don't know which one it was, but he actually mentioned that he had the same ACL tear as Cooper Cup, and he recovered just crazy fast, and he wasn't even worried about it one bit. So I kind of heard that and put together a lot of the good news, and um, I always defer to people who are smarter than me, and uh, Greg's definitely one of them. And I started I started drafting him towards the middle to the end of August, and uh, I just I thought he'd get more, you know, if it's the same Cooper Cup we get pre-ACL tear, I figured that's better than uh, Robert Woods. So that's why I started taking him, and that's why I got him in this uh, my best team here. Who would have thunk that that uh, Greg Cantor would be breaking uh, medical advice out for fantasy football? We're gonna have to start calling him <laughs> Doctor Crack Rock at this point, especially <laughs> Doctor Rock. Doc, yeah, do, yeah, exactly. And we and uh, he's been right on this Cooper Cup thing, no question. The problem is for Greg is you know he starts off so many uh, leagues tight end, tight end uh, that that he's stacking up running backs, and he probably I don't even know how many leagues he got Cooper Cup in in this year but he's always stacking those tight ends so early it 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 uh it prevents him to, from drafting other positions sometimes hopefully he has a lot of shares of Cooper Cup going forward um and congratulations to you on this one cuz it's really been a big boon to that team um one I think it was the same league you and I are in the same boat in in some of my leagues where I have Daryl Henderson and I'm curious if you think there's any redraft hope for Henderson uh, this season, or do you think that we can kind of start cutting bait on uh, Henderson, given that you know Gurley has has been used quite a bit more than I thought he would be, uh, definitely not anywhere near where he was in 2018, but he's being used a lot, and it seems like Malcolm Brown is ahead of Daryl Henderson on the Rams depth chart. Are you 
you know, as, as we're coming up on these bye weeks now, are you dropping Daryl Henderson? Or will, is there p- the potential that you will be letting him go in, in lieu of uh, other players on your team that you need to add to help out your team as we go through the bye week gauntlet? Well, what if I told you uh, six weeks ago that by week six, I would have as many rushing yards as Daryl Henderson? Isn't that crazy? I uh, mean, I, I just can't <laughs> even believe it. And and I zero point zero. Think about all the high state. I mean, you're on Twitter too. By the way, should plug your Twitter at Fantasy Inquirer. But you're on Twitter and you see a, there's a plenty of really smart high stakes players and successful ones and ones that are having good seasons this year. That were you know anybody who had listened, they were talking about Daryl Henderson, Daryl Henderson, Daryl Henderson. A lot of them uh, out there. And you know, and, and to your point about trusting people smarter than 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 you are, I that's sort of what I've based my whole life around. And, and I got Henderson in a few leagues, and I was just waiting for the right time where I'm going to be able to deploy him. And now at this point, like to your point, we're all tied for the uh, for the rushing lead with zero between the three of us, you, me, and, and Daryl Henderson, right? Right. So, yeah, <laughs> my, it's crazy. So, But my point is basically it's if you really need to cut him, I think you should. I, 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 I you should. But I mean, I, I wouldn't. I'm personally, unless it's you know, break glass. I really need a player bad. I really need someone to cover this bye week. I dropped him, but I actually picked him up a few leagues on uh, the last few weeks where I had you know that just that last roster spot. And you know, FFPC's twenty rounds, so you you have a little room to tinker here. But uh, I I keep going back to you know people smarter than us like uh, Pro Football Focus and. Uh, different people bringing up metrics, you know, in the draft season and stuff. I go back to a tweet from Graham Barfield um, that said, these are the top five running backs and yards created from shotgun formations over the last five seasons. Uh, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, Daryl Henderson, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott. And uh, you can just find so many things, like, you know, after the draft and, uh, you know, leading up to the summer where he just had – every metric he dominated in yeah so i'm still i'm still holding on to him and um you know i what if Gurley went down sunday you know or he'd probably be the top waiver wire pick easy so yeah uh, i'm holding for now and, and and i guess i just you know it's it's hard for me to forget how much they gave up to to move up in the draft to to draft daryl henderson and it's hard for me to forget how little Todd Gurley was used in favor of C.J. Anderson down the stretch last year, you know. And I know it's a different year, and I know the draft was 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 way way it's a long time ago, but it's still it's stuff to put out of your mind. And I'm gonna do my best to hang on to him as best as I can. As long as we are going in the uh, the wayback machine here and talking about 2018, I think about what the Steeler, the Pittsburgh Steelers were in 2017. You had Big Ben, you had Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown. Even last year, you had Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, and Juju Smith-Schuster. And now I look at this team this year, and it is what I don't even know the name of the quarterback that's starting this week. Delvin something. Um, uh, Delvin Hodges. Delvin Hodges. Uh, you know, is starting at quarterback. I can't even believe, you know, <laughs> that that we're talking about this. And then you have, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster, um, definitely underperforming for the majority of the season. You have a James Conner banged up a little bit, playing through some injuries. You have Jalen Samuels, who's out a month now, uh, as we found out. And then you have James Washington not doing a whole lot. Well, one of the, I guess you can call it somewhat of a bright spot, is Ben Deontay Johnson, because he's actually flashed. 
He had the big week two weeks ago. I think this past week he only had like 27 receiving yards, but it was on five catches, so he's getting the targets. So my question to you, Billy, is is what what are your expectations for him for the remainder of the season here? Is this is a is this a guy? Is he going to be a suitable flex if you're in a pinch, or is this still a guy that is just way too inconsistent to trust in an FFPC main event or a football guy's lineup? I, I think uh, I think he is. I think I think you will be able to deploy to deploy him um, coming up, but just not next week. They play or this week. I mean, they play at the Los Angeles Chargers, who I'm sure aren't going to be happy after their debacle this week. By the way, they're the most snake bitten team ever. The Chargers. Oh yeah, no question. And, um, <laughs> and, well, yeah. I mean, so Billy, they played them this I, week. Bill, Billy, I, it's hard to interrupt. I can't remember when you did the HSFF hour. Was was my was my normal coach? Was Dave on that show? Dave was on that show, he the was patron on, okay. saint. So I can't remember if he – now, he brings this up probably about every third or fourth week. Basically, anytime the Chargers have uh, a, a significant player go down uh, with a season-ending injury, he always says, fire the strength and conditioning coaches, fire the doctors, fire everybody. Because you talk about being snake bit. These guys – that team has always, always – I mean, over the last – like, you can go back probably 10 years – and find significant injuries on both sides of the ball. Like every single year, it happens. Uh, and, and and it happened again this year with um, my boy out of Florida State, Derwin James, who's going to miss a large portion of the season. It's it's crazy. Yeah. Um, and then the, Justin Jackson. What yes. happened to him? All, all of a sudden, I'm riding. High, you know, I'm like, oh great, I got all these Justin Jackson chairs. Gordon's holding out. You know, and then all of a sudden, he's in a walking boot and has a calf injury for a month or. It's crazy. And then when they're staying healthy, then they're holding out like Melvin Gordon. <laughs> I mean, you just, it's, it's unbelievable. Like the, you know, at two packer who, who's the mascot of the high stakes fantasy football hour, he's a big sure. chargers fan. And I can't, I mean, it is like going on a roller coaster every single season, <laughs> being a chargers fan and, and having a deal with it. Anyway, back to Deontay Johnson, you said probably not this week. <laughs> no, not this week. I, I wouldn't roll him out versus chargers, especially with hot as, you know, I'm pretty sure Rudolph, after the rock, you know, the blasting he took, uh, I don't think he's going to be back this week. I'm almost positive. So with Hodges at the Chargers, I I wouldn't recommend it. But then they're on bye. But then their schedule kind of softens up. I mean, they come back from bye. He has Miami, Indianapolis, the Rams, Cleveland, Cincinnati, uh, and then Arizona. That's very favorable. So if Rudolph's in there, I, I don't mind that at all. I think he'll be great. Yeah, and he like I mean he's not going to be a league winner, but this is the perfect type of guy that can get you by, uh, pun intended, for the bye weeks because he could be the guy who gets you like twelve to fifteen points. You know, not not going to be a world beater, but he's, he's that will help you, uh, especially when other think about some of the other teams that are going to be start, starting some some real dregs at at uh, at their flex positions during buys if if they're not being forward thinking and making sure they're getting this hammered out early and you could be starting a guy like Deontay Johnson there I think that makes a lot of sense um, fantasy mojos uh, Darren Armani actually tweeted out a graphic I can't remember if it was Monday or if it was uh, today we're recording this on Tuesday uh, evening um, he tweeted out a graphic about FFPC players. Uh, in in who they drafted uh, first was Saquon Barkley or Christian McCaffrey, and I think actually now that I think about the graphic, I think it was a, like a pie chart of of who everybody you know what players went at number one this year, and seventy yep. percent of I them, actually have it right here. Oh, perfect. Okay, so it was seventy yeah. percent was Barkley and twenty two percent was McCaffrey. Am I getting those numbers right? Yep, seventy percent Barkley, twenty two McCaffrey. The next was Kamara uh, at four, and then two at Zeke. Okay, so there so. you go. Now I'm curious here.
because I was and and I'm I'm probably going to end up agreeing with you because the the only leagues I had the number one pick in I did go with McCaffrey over Barkley and all of them. I ended up with Barkley at the at the two pick in, in a couple of leagues, but I always went McCaffrey. You took McCaffrey at the 101 in your 60th place football guys team this year. Talk to us a little bit about why you went against um, ADP, why you went against um, you know the everybody or not seemingly, but I mean the majority of everybody else. Why did you go McCaffrey over Barkley? Um, well, well, I had him number one in my rankings personally. Um, but basically I put him there was because of the offensive line. I trusted their line a lot more than the Giants line. I trusted Cam a lot more than Eli or Jones. And then I thought there was a lot better weapons around um, the Panthers with uh, Samuel Moore, Olsen. And uh, I just didn't trust anything about the Giants, really. I mean, I think Barkley might be a better talent overall. But uh, I just didn't want to take him at the one and where I had him. But I understood why people did it. Um, they just thought he'd get so much volume. And obviously, he could be having, you know, he's been out for a couple weeks now with the ankle injury. But uh, I, I just didn't trust what was around him, basically. I wonder if there's still a stigma with Christian McCaffrey and drafting him, not necessarily because he's a white running back, but because Barkley is, and I don't know what their 40s are. I know they're both super fast. But I wonder if there's a stigma of drafting, why would I take Christian McCaffrey when Saquon Barkley is, you know, 20 pounds or whatever heavier than him and catches his, catches the ball uh, a ton, run you know, can run between the tackles better. And I'm not saying I agree with that, but I'm just saying I'm wondering if there's a stigma with high-stakes players out there where they still, like, when it comes down to it, it's just Barkley is passes the eye test better than McCaffrey. Absolutely. Yeah, I think there's a lot of that going around, too. Um, but what's funny is I, I looked at that pie chart and stuff, and all the drafts I did, I rarely saw Barkley go at one. And I follow a lot of FFPC Twitter, and I know none of the people on there were taking Barkley at one. They were yeah. all taking McCaffrey. So I just I was pretty surprised to see that. I was, too. And I remember throughout, you know, I, I, pay, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I, I go to a, a lot of different websites to check to see what, you know, the experts are writing. And, and, and a lot of these analysts are in pros versus Joe. So I, I tend to follow what, the, what they're saying. And many, many, I mean, a large plurality of them were saying, well, if you go anywhere in draft, Barkley is the, the consensus 101, except for FFPC, where it's McCaffrey, which is, right. which is weird to me because I facilitated a lot of those drafts. And I remember Barkley going number one a lot more than, than McCaffrey, you know, but it seemed like for whatever reason, uh, the FFPC got this moniker of, of being the McCaffrey format this year because McCaffrey <laughs> seemed, everybody's saying he was going uh, one overall. The other thing, too, that, that and you kind of touched on it, you know, you trusted the offensive line more. You trusted um, the quarterback more. I just trust the organization and the offense and the team more in Carolina than, than I do with with uh, the Giants. And quite frankly, if you were to flip those teams and put Barkley in Carolina and McCaffrey in, in New York, uh, I probably would have been taking Barkley number one overall instead of McCaffrey, uh, just just because of the supporting cast around him and and just because of the environment there. So, uh, you know that definitely landing spot plays. If as we if we could take a quick peek into 2020 drafts, do you think McCaffrey is is going number one in 70 percent plus of of FFPC leagues next year? Oh yeah, I'd say probably 90 percent plus. I mean, unless he slows down dramatically. I don't see, I, I, you know, if I had the 1-1, one, one, I mean, I took him this year, obviously, but I, would, I wouldn't think twice. 
I, I think he'll easily be the consensus. And he's doing it with Kyle Allen at quarterback too, you know, which is which is right. It's impressive. almost better for him than Cam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Billy, I I noticed that you drafted Austin Hooper in in both your top sixty football guys leagues. I'm I you know when I was initially thinking about this, I just kind of assumed he was a target of yours, but maybe that wasn't the case. I'm just curious why why you ended up getting him in both those leagues especially when you consider that julio jones johnson or julio johnson julio jones and calvin ridley are the are the two pass catchers we tend to talk about in atlanta nobody really talks about austin hooper and he's having a banner season this year what what stood out to to you about hooper well i had hooper last year in a lot of my winning teams and i got him just uh, crazy late and what i saw last year was during the offseason him and ryan trained all offseason uh, they hung out all off season, so I figured, wow, that'd be great. And uh, he actually finished last year as a tight end six overall in scoring. Um, so I noticed this year, okay, he's being undervalued again. He was being drafted at around the uh, you know tight end eleven ish area um, in drafts. Uh, some guys that were going ahead of him were guys um, like Henry Cook, McDonald, Najoku. Uh, sometimes even Delaney Walker. And um, I just knew he was being crazy undervalued again. And then, you know, what put the cherry on the Sunday, so to speak, was Dirk Cutter coming back. And we know how much Dirk Cutter loves his tight ends oh, really? coming back over from Tampa Bay. And I was just like, this is crazy. You know, I, I jumped up in the sixth round sometimes and I had people, you know, kind of snicker at me in, in you know, draft rooms and stuff. But I just I loved him and uh, it's working out good again. Yeah, no question, it, it's working out good for you. I, I wish I would have grabbed him in more leagues. Um, there was uh, a couple of um, leagues that I was in. These like uh, they're like uh, well, one's a Scott Fishbowl, but then a, another private um, uh, tight end premium league I'm in, where um, I ended up drafting Hooper as like my backup tight end, and now uh, he's been my starter, no question, uh, for the last few weeks, and and I'm loving it, having being able to deploy him out there. He's having a career year, uh, and tight I end wish, one, tight end one, and I wish I wouldn't have traded. I gave him up for a song in Dynasty because I felt I was saw I was selling high on him after the 2018 season, and now I wish I could have that trade back. But such is life, such is Dynasty. Just before we get into the next part of the show, I just want to let you know about one of our partners over at SportsAxios.com. Following a team you love in 2019 can be time-consuming. Trying to follow everything that's happening in all sports is virtually impossible. I know myself trying to keep up with everything in the NFL. I'm a big soccer fan too. Trying to keep up with everything through Twitter can be a lot of time. And uh, that's why I subscribe to Axios Sports, the best free daily newsletter in the land. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. When you sign up for free at sports.axios.com, you get the best sports stories from the NBA and the NFL to cricket and ping pong and everything in between. Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, gives you the ability to stay informed. It's super simple. Best of all, it's free go to sports.axios.com that is a-x-i-o-s that is sportsaxios.com not only will you be caught up you'll be sharing all the information with your buddies keep on top of things and join the 100,000 sports fans who already get caught up on the day before it even begins best of all there's no paywall no subscription fee you sign up at sports.axios.com 
I also want to let you know about our buddies over at Harry's Razors. I know a lot of you uh, heard me on the one of the last shows saying about how, how much I dislike shaving. It is something that really does irritate me. And humans have been shaving for thousands of years and the secret to a great shave, it hasn't changed much. That's why Harry's doesn't overcharge you to add gimmicky features to their razors. They focus on delivering quality and that is all that matters. Sharp, durable blades at a fair price. It is something, obviously, that I used to get a lot of neck irritation when I was shaving, but what I've started to do now is head on over to Harry's. Makes it very simple, makes a nice smooth shave, and I don't get that neck irritation. That's why I love using Harry's. And you can also do us a favor by heading over, checking them out at harrys.com forward slash blue wire for a free trial today. And there's no risk to you trying them out. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a free full refund. Rotoviz listeners now can get their Harry's trial set at harrys.com forward slash blue wire. You'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade. Rich lathering shave gel with aloe vera to help keep your skin hydrated and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. Go to harrys.com forward slash blue wire to start shaving better today. Let's talk about another one of my uh, dynasty guys I have in a few leagues and you have him in both your football guys leagues here that are in the in the top 60. It's Tyler Lockett. This is a guy that outside of one, I think maybe one this year where he had the, the double digit catch perf- He's been relying on the big play in that Seattle offense. Um, I, I feel like we have enough we have enough information, enough of a book on him right now to kind of know what type of player he is. Billy, is he ever going to be a consistent player in getting a lot of targets every week in that Seattle offense? Or is he going to just be sort of this, unless he gets the big play, unless he gets the long touchdown, uh, he's he's going to bust out for you? How do you view Tyler Lockett? Or is it somewhere in the middle between those two extremes? Well, the good news about Tyler Lockett is he's so efficient, he's going to bust that big play even on low targets. I mean, his efficiency rate's just crazy. Um, you know, and you talked about his targets this year. I mean, his first game he had two targets, one catch, and a touchdown. Uh, the last game he had, he had four targets, uh, four catches, and a touchdown. But the real thing on Tyler Lockett is it's it's the same thing with Russell Wilson. They have to be trailing in a game. If they're not trailing in a game, if Winston doesn't have a fire lit under him, he's just going to – that offense – and it, it's not his fault. I heard somebody else talking the other day about – what if Wilson, you know, what if they actually had like, you know, like a McVay or somebody, an LSC that actually, you know, evolved in the next, you know, to this century and passed the ball around? He'd be like a Patrick Mahomes, you know. Yeah. He, he's, he's already the QB1 right now, but he would just be awesome. So they have to be, um, you know, trailing for him to do anything. Because if you look at the games where they weren't tra- or they uh, were trailing this year, he had 12 targets at Pittsburgh. And then um, versus New Orleans at home, he had 14 targets. And then the other games against Arizona, he had four. And uh, the Rams, they weren't trailing. He had four again. So they have to be trailing. But like I said, the good news is even when he does catch his pass, like more than half the time it's a touchdown. So you're living good with Lockett. Yeah, and it's one of those things, too, where I I just, you know, obviously the obvious answer to that is, well, he's never going to keep that up. Well, I mean, it's it's been a few years, and he, he seems to keep it up. He so, does. You know, it's just I, I think I've just resigned. It's sort of like how I, I, I think I might have said this on – I can't remember if it was this show or, or the HSFF Hour, where I've just resigned myself to Adrian Peterson being a cyborg, and there I just that's the only explanation I have. Uh, Frank Gore, too, that these guys are, you know, still in the NFL. I don't know if it's like – 
specialty chemicals or, or, you know, machine parts that are keeping these guys going at this level at this point. But I'm going to resigning myself to that fact and the fact that Lockett is just always going to bust a big play every now and then, and he's going to end up being fantasy-worthy for you at the end of the season. Uh, you have a lot of fantasy-worthy teams this year, worthy of, uh, of crushing it in the Football Guys Players Championship, and you alluded to it earlier, more than you had in 2018. Um, can you take us through what, what sort of your process is uh, when you place waivers for all these teams, when you're setting lineups on, on Sunday, when the inactives or prior to the inactives coming out or after they come out? Uh, what, what both of those events are like for you managing that many teams? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it usually starts just today. Uh, FFPC waivers run Wednesday night for the first run. So today I'll look at all my teams and I'll scribble down some notes, kind of look at some guys who I want. And then Wednesday is usually the big day. I get home from work, and then I usually just do waivers for about four or five hours all night, basically. And then um, I go and I set my lineups on Thursday for the guys who I want in the Thursday night game. And um, Friday, I go back. That's the second run of the week for the FFPC waivers. I see uh, who slipped through the cracks. You know, I see who didn't get picked up. And you'd be surprised. Um uh, going back to Deontay Johnson real quick, when uh, Moncrief got cut and Deontay Johnson got uh, promoted, that was on like a Wednesday or Thursday. So Friday, that was a big day for waivers. Uh, I put in a bunch of bids on them, and you wouldn't. Uh, a lot of people did uh, did as well that night too on uh, Johnson, but I snuck uh, him through a few times. But uh, then after that, Saturday, I usually go and just set all my lineups. And then Sunday, I look for, like you said, those inactives and those injuries. And I try not to tinker on Sunday. That's one of my rules. I think there's like some rule that it's like if you tinker like 90% of the time, you're going to – it's going to be bad for you or something because it always ends up bad. So I try to have my lineup as set in stone as possible by Saturday night. I can't remember what – and this probably is whatever high-stakes player told me this. I'm sure he didn't invent it, but – the the moniker is always think think long think wrong and and that's true of you know wh- whether you're setting lineups yep. whether you're placing bids whether you're on the clock in a draft uh, you know your your first instinct is is usually the correct one i i'm with you man i i try not to i try if i get into a um you know a, in a fight with myself over you know okay which quarterback do i need to do here what should i do with my flex here, I tend to just be like, you know what? It's, it's good. I'm leaving it as is. And, and I'll, I'll live and die with that decision. I, I tend not to, to, to dwell on those tough decisions too long. Cause inevitably I'll end up making the wrong call. Um, moving back to, uh, to my neck of the woods here in, in green Bay, the Packers uh, in, in Matt LaFleur, they, they have uh, put an emphasis on the running game this year. Good or bad, it seems like Matt LaFleur uh, is, is trying to run the ball a lot more than Mike McCarthy ever did uh, in his uh, final half decade here, at least, uh, for the Packers. Uh, Aaron Jones has ended the last two years on IR with uh, knee injuries, and he has missed some time due to nicks and cuts and bruises uh, over his short time as a professional football player. Given what you saw against the Cowboys on Sunday, no Jamal Williams, Trey Carson was called up off the practice squad. We're always looking for the next big thing at running back. Is Trey Carson going to make it onto any of your waiver bids this week? Is he a guy that you will be looking at adding as uh, Jones insurance, or do you think Jamal Williams is still the guy when he comes back off of his concussion? 
Um, I think Jamal Williams is, is definitely still the guy when they uh, when he comes back off concussion, which I think is probably this week from what it sounds like. Um, and before he got knocked out of that game from that crazy hit, uh, I think it was a Philly game, he uh, was out there being quoted as, as saying that he, he wanted a 50-50 split between Jamal Williams and uh, Aaron Jones. And I got a lot of Williams real late, so I'm like, yeah. But um, just a side note there. They uh, Lafleur and them. They don't trust Dexter Williams up there, do they? No, they do not. Absolutely, they do not. <laughs> and I and I'll say this. I actually write. You know, I have this local uh, uh, afternoon talk show up here, and we we're talking about this. Um, you know, Dexter Williams is is. I think he's pretty good at running the ball. What I don't think he is very good at is catching the ball. He dropped a lot of passes in the preseason, and he is still not good at pass protection. And my whole point was with Dexter Williams, if you bring him in, this is prior to the Dallas game, when you bring him in, the the defense kind of knows what's going on. You know, they're not going to trust Williams to catch the ball or pass protect. So if he were to come in the game, you pretty much know it's going to be a run to Dexter Williams. You don't know that with Aaron Jones. You don't know that with Trey Carson. You certainly don't know it with Jamal Williams, who I think is an underrated pass catcher. And he is one of the best, in my opinion, one of the best pass blocking running backs there is in the NFC. So I look at um, Dexter Williams. He just, at this point in his career, he's on the practice squad, and he might turn into a fine running back someday. I, I, I think that the odds are probably against it. But I just don't see a, a way that Green Bay can get him in there when they have a multifunctional guy in Carson and when they have a multifunctional guy that they already trusted in Jamal Williams. And you're right when you say this whole Matt LaFleur thing of wanting to split him 50-50. I think just for... As an Aaron Jones owner in a few leagues, I would kind of like to see that split, Billy, because I think that split of 50-50 between Williams and Jones will keep Jones healthy for the majority of the season or come as close as they can to it. Oh, that's exactly what he's thinking. And LaFleur is a guy last year to a fault. He was a Tennessee Titans OC. He made the split between uh, Henry and Lewis last, you know, 11 weeks. So, I mean, when this guy wants splits and talks about splits, he's going to have splits. So, I, I think, you know, I hope people enjoy, you know, this big, huge week from Aaron Jones because I don't think it's going to happen again. You know, he's not going to get four touchdowns again, obviously, but, you know, it's going to be a split and it's going to make a lot of people mad because I know there's a lot of people who think Jones, you know, he's obviously the better running back, but they don't think Jamal Williams is, can do anything, you know. Twitter hates Jamal Williams, <laughs> which I don't know why, like you said. Yeah, they he, hate Jamal Williams. Yeah, and the He's thing, great and pick, yeah. He, he, the thing is, I think. Well, number one, I think Jamal Williams is a much better NFL player than he is fantasy player. Um, but I still think he can be a viable fantasy guy. And we we've, we've seen stretches where him. You know, when when Jones missed that time last year, uh, Jamal Williams was actually pretty good. And I think he could be good again, given the opportunity. And last year, when you had Mike McCarthy who wanted to pass, 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 pass all the time, you don't have that in Matt LaFleur this year. So if Jones were to go down, there is going to be a lot of volume out there for Jamal Williams. And sometimes at running back, you don't necessarily need to be the most talented guy in the world, but if you're getting a lot of volume, that that, that like gets you instant top 25 running back status. you know. And, and I think that's where Jamal Williams would be if Jones uh, were to go down, uh, no question. Um, we uh, we talked to previously uh, about the waiver wire uh, off air, and it is it, it's not um, a hotbed of action again as we head into week six. Is there anyone that that you're bidding on this week uh, of note that um, that you think could be a difference maker, or are you more just looking to sort of fill in the cracks, get your bye week guys ready for this week and next week, and and cover yourself 
um, with some potential handcuffs. I mean, it, it seems like it's kind of a boring week on the waiver wire. Yeah, yeah, it, it's you know from first glance and kind of you know going through my first motion here, um, I don't see much again. I I, I see uh, Darius Slayton could be good for the New York Giants. They play New England now. Granted, it's a Thursday night game, I believe. But uh, Barkley, it doesn't sound like he's going to play. Sterling Shepard still in concussion protocol, and I believe Eddie, Evan Ingram has an MCL sprain or something. Um, he he got a, he he got a D. Well, they play Thursday against the Patriots this week, and he, sure, and he got a DNP for yesterday. Even though they don't practice, but they have to put out the estimation. He got quote unquote upgraded to a limited practice today, so there's still a shot for him. But, yeah, I mean, it could be the Golden Tate and Jonathan Hilleman show on Thursday night against the Patriots. And that is, uh, I don't know what that's a recipe for, but I know I don't want to eat it. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it might not be good, but, I mean, he's out there, and uh, I, I know people are picking him up already. But uh, another guy, I'm kind of a, you know, a handcuff running back collector. It's kind of what I do. Me too. And um, I actually looked at this guy for a while, and I didn't pick him up, but uh, – Reggie Bonifon, he's a running back for the Carolina Panthers. You know, last week, McCaffrey limps off the field. He hits like a 60-yard touchdown. Um, You know, if McCaffrey ever did go down, God forbid, you know, he would have, you know, it'd be like Wayne Gallman all over again for Barkley. What about, let me ask you this. Let's put our uh, tin hats uh, on here for a second. I saw a blurb earlier. I think it was on Roto World about Mark Walton, and I'm going to load it up here right now and, and make sure I'm not making this up in my mind. Uh, yeah, this was uh, Miami Herald uh, had a report that Mark Walton could be having a bigger role uh, in this uh, Dolphins offense going forward. Uh, now, th- this is the Roto World analysis. I'm sort of paraphrasing here, but they said it sounded like Walton passed Kalen Balaj on the depth chart after uh, Balaj had another bad drop back in week four. Uh, Walton had eight carries for 34 to- uh, 34 times, 34 yards against the Chargers. There's a quote here from Chad O'Shea, the offensive coordinator, kind of talking Mark Walton up. And the only reason I bring this up is because with the NFL trade deadline, you know, obviously coming up soon, and Kenyon Drake is a name that, that, that I've heard mentioned as a guy who could be on his way out of town. The Dolphins, it seems, seems like they ship everybody out of there, so it certainly wouldn't surprise me to to see him move. But if that is the case, maybe Mark Walton could be an an interesting guy to grab basically for free right now uh, and pick him up on, on Wednesday night uh, and see what happens going forward there. Because if like, I'm listen, I'm a handcuff collector, a handcuff running back collector, just like you. And these are exactly the type of situations I look for to strike on because maybe I only get like two or three weeks, maybe only get one week out of Mark Walton, you know, similar how it was with Wayne Gallman, but sometimes those weeks can make all the difference. And if he's able to string it into more than one week, well, now that now you've hit the jackpot. Yeah, no, that that's actually a great. I really didn't even notice that yet, honestly. That's a really great call. And I mean, we can't. I'm a. I was kind of a Balage guy, you know. I'd take him real late and stuff. I mean, he had his chances, and they put it on him. I mean, how many drops did he have a game? Like three. That was bad. Uh, I mean, on average, I mean, he was just terrible. So yeah, I mean, the volume will be there and everything. I, I don't mind that call one bit, honestly. Yeah, I, Walton is a guy that I think I'm gonna have to look. <laughs> the problem is, I my like my teams right now, my benches, like I, maybe I have a backup defense on some of them. Most of them I don't. Um, I probably have a backup tight end. I obviously don't have a backup kicker. 
I might have one or two receivers, probably a quarterback, and the rest of my bench is all running backs, you know, just waiting for injuries to yeah. strike or, or anything like that. And it's been slow in the going, um, but we'll see what happens with that. I, I feel they'll, like they'll start to pop around and stuff. I it, mean, those injuries will happen. And then today, Jalen Samuels, you know, out of the blue, poof, he's out for a month, had his knee scoped. So, I mean, Benny Snell, maybe? Uh, yeah, are you, what are you doing on the waiver wire with him? Because I'm not super aggressive on him he, just because I don't think he's a great – first of all, I don't think he's that talented. Second of all, he's not a great pass catcher. But if given the opportunity, I mean, he, he could be big, especially – you know, and Connor has been – I feel like Connor has been – after every Steelers game this year, Mike Tomlin's talking about a James Connor, or he's being asked about a James Connor injury, you know? And it's just like when you yeah. have that situation, I, the, the backup running back really should be owned, and now it's Benny Snell. Yeah, that's why Samuel's excited me so much. I'm like, oh, crap, Connor's hurt again almost? Oh, he's on injury report again? And then we get this with uh, Samuels today. So I don't mind Snell, you know, Benny Snell at all if you're in a deep league. I mean, I, yeah, it's worth a flyer if Samuels is going to be out for a month. And uh, I know Connor's been dealing with the ankle for a couple weeks, even though he looked really good last week. So, yeah, that's a great call. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that. That's something that I'll, I'll definitely be paying uh, close attention to. I'm also going to be paying close attention to how you answer uh, this final question I have for you tonight. Uh, one player that you think a, a lot of FFPC guys and, and gals will be uh, starting in week six that you think is likely to bust or would be better off on benches. And then uh, on the flip side, a player that you think is actually going to produce pretty good in a good matchup this week that not a lot of people will be starting. Okay, so a guy who I I think a lot of people will be starting uh, that they probably shouldn't be starting this week. It's got to be it's got to be Will Fuller, right? It just has to be. <laughs> uh, he didn't have more than five catches um, all year or a touchdown all year, and then he just has the craziest game uh, I think in the last but six years of wide receivers or something. So I could see him just greatly disappointing again, having like a three for 40 day or something, even though he does play the chiefs, but I'm just, I'm going to be the first one to call it here. Will Fuller will not, he'll, he'll disappoint this week. He'll disappoint. I, I just saw my goodness. The total on that is 55. Holy cow. This is also interesting too, in that game. And, and I think we, a, a lot of us were, we're kind of hoping Terry Hill would be back this game. And I don't know if we've gotten word on this, but I also noticed this game opened at Kansas City at a seven and a half point favorite. Currently it's down to Kansas City as a four point favorite. So that's that I mean that's three and a half points in the span of like forty eight hours. That's pretty significant. I wonder if there was something um you know, and I don't think it's Mahomes' ankle that people are are all of a sudden piling on the Texans here. But I wonder if this is a we might be waiting one more week on Tyreek Hill in this game. Uh, it certainly wouldn't move that much for Sammy Watkins being out. I, I mean, I can't imagine it was, but that is really bizarre. Um, I'm with you on Fuller. You know, it's funny about this. I'll just tell this real quick Will Fuller story. Um, the, in one of my dynasty leagues, two packer at two packers in that with me. And he I don't know if he traded for Fuller or if he drafted Will Fuller when he was a rookie in the rookie draft. And he's been trying to trade him ever since. He's usually been trying to trade him to me, and I've rejected it every time. I'm just a fuller guy at all. <laughs> so then after Will Fuller gets his first touchdown on Sunday, uh, we have this group text going, and, and Tupacker posts in there, hey, Balky, Fuller available for a, a first-round uh, pick um, in Carrington, which is the name of our Dynasty League, the Blake Carrington Dynasty League. And, um, you know, everybody said, ha-ha. Well, then Fuller gets the second touchdown, and then – 
the text he posts is uh, he the price is now two first round picks for Will Fuller after the second touchdown, and then he gets the third <laughs> touchdown, and you guessed it. Now Will Fuller will cost me three first round picks if I want to trade for him right now. <laughs> Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the, it's just a, it's an insane. He's the most valued player in Dynasty apparently. Yeah. Two pack. Right <laughs> just progressively now, so. goes up. Exactly. Yes. Uh, I'm with you. There's there's no way that he performs anywhere close to what he did last week. You know, this could be a get right game for DeAndre Hopkins where he just shreds the Chiefs second. Totally. Yeah. Oh yeah, I can see that. I can see that totally. Uh, yeah, he's been way too quiet. Even we had he had a decent week. I think what he put up uh, eighty yards last week and five yeah. six catches. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't bad. No, he was fine. It's just the problem is you 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 look at that that and then you see Will Fuller. You see his stat line. You're like, well, did these guys switch jerseys this game? <laughs> yeah. Like, what, what happened? This is so bizarre. There was one play. I don't know if you saw the replay of it. I think it was his second touchdown where um, he did a like a crossing route across the field, and literally the entire Falcons secondary followed DeAndre Hopkins in the corner of the end zone, while Will Fuller, I mean, you could have. I yeah, mean, yeah, he, I saw that. It was crazy. I mean, there was nowhere anybody close to him. So he's definitely benefiting uh, from uh, Hopkins being a teammate, and good for him. You know, he made he got the opportunity. He made the plays. Will he do it again in, in two weeks in a row? Uh, probably not. He could still have a decent game, but I'm with you. I think Hopkins has a massive game against Kansas City. Um, you uh, you uh, have not given me your sleeper yet. Who's your sleeper in week six, Billy? Well, I think a lot of people are going to put this guy down just because they're kind of sick of his inconsistency. But uh, I'm going to go with Emmanuel Sanders. He's going to be on a lot of benches again. Uh, he did this to us two weeks ago. Then he came back and had a big 100-yard game. Um, he plays Tennessee this week at Tennessee. And uh, they have a good run defense, so I, I don't expect uh, Denver to run it a whole lot, even though they're going to want to try. And uh, I think they're really going to come out after last week's debacle versus the Bills. So I, I think the ball is going to be in there a lot, and uh, I think a lot of people will be sleeping on Emmanuel Sanders, and they wish they hadn't. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you too on that one. I, I Sanders is another guy I just I, – I, first of all, I missed on Cup in a lot of leagues because I, I just – I. That ACL just stuck in my head, like, and I always found somebody I like better there. Sanders is another guy that I just, I didn't think a guy 31 years old blows his Achilles out and he can come back, A, this as quick as he did, and then be as effective as he has been this year. I mean, he looks, he's just passing the eye test. He looks really, really good out there. And uh, he's got a capable quarterback throwing to him. Um, we'll see what happens against Tennessee. It'll be a fun game uh, to watch, you know, both him and Cortland Sutton go at it. Uh, in that Titans game on Sunday. Uh, this was fun, Billy. I, I really appreciate you coming on this week on, on the High Stakes Lowdown. I wish you uh, nothing but the best of luck in uh, all of your football guys' leagues, especially the two that you have in contention for that $250,000 grand prize, uh, both in the top 60 right now. So good luck on that. And good luck in all your leagues, man. We'll talk again real soon. Awesome. Hey, thanks a lot, Bulky. Thanks for uh, doing the show and doing the other High Stakes Fantasy Football uh, show. I don't miss it uh, every week. I never miss, and uh, it actually helps me become a better player because you have all these other great players on every week and uh, get to pick their brains. So if you want to get better at fantasy football, listen to these podcasts. Well, and, and I'm I am listen. I am the exhibit A of that because the dirty secret on both of, the, of these shows. The only reason I do them is so I can have an excuse to talk to people much <laughs> smarter than me, so I know what I'm doing, or at least I can pretend I know what I'm doing uh, and setting my lineups uh, every single week so yes so thank you for the kind words on that and uh you never know could be a six-figure uh, year for you 
I'm hoping so. I'm due. Thanks, man. <laughs> you bet. We'll uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Good luck in 2019. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage rotoviz.com slash podcast. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not ready hour foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com